Hello, I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, a child psychologist, entrepreneur, and mum with a passion for problem solving and family adventures. Join me each week for practical tips and on-air consultations with the smartest, kindest parents and their incredible kids. Find answers faster, do things differently, and take your family further. This is impressive. This episode is sponsored by brightchild.com. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to Impressive. I'm so glad that you could join us today. We're doing our very first episode and this is an on-air consultation with a mum based in Sydney, Australia in regard to her three-year-old daughter named Edie. So this week we'll give you some practical tips on how to manage meltdowns and rigid thinking, um, changes to a routine and how to develop your support network when it feels like everything is against you um, and you have a seven-month-old baby to contend with as well. So thank you so much to Kate for volunteering to be part of the on-air consultation. If you'd like to be part of an on-air consultation um, and draw on my two decades of experience working with children and adolescents in clinics and classrooms, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can go on to Facebook and join our community. If you look for Impressive, the podcast, you'll find us there. Or otherwise, you can go to www.brightchild, that's B-R-I-T-E, child.com, to find out more about um, Impressive, the podcast. And you can drop us an email via support at quirkykid, that's Q-U-I-R-K-Y-K-I-D.com.au if you'd like to be part of an online consultation. So without further ado, let's introduce Kate and find out what's been happening since they recently returned from five weeks away in Europe. And there's been a lot of changes for the lovely Edie since then. So she's not so happy and Kate is starting to lose her patience and feeling like she needs all the support she can get. So I hope these resources that I recommend are useful. You can find some details in the show notes and we'll go through some books and different point charts and things that can be helpful when kids are learning how to um, verbalize um, their emotions rather than using actions. So it's called um, emotional regulation and we'll talk more about that in this episode. Thanks for listening and let's get started. Hi, Kate, and welcome to Impressive. I'm going to talk today about your three-year-old, Edie, and I just wanted you to kind of unload what the issue is so that we can brainstorm together and come away with some solutions in the next 20 to 30 minutes. So what's, what are the current issues? There are a few. There are quite a few. <laughs> um, basically, she's been having these uncontrollable tantrums and they seem almost daily. Like I feel like they seem almost daily or sometimes twice daily. And I feel like we're walking around on eggshells because of, we never know when she's going to like erupt. Mm-hmm. Um, the smallest things can set her off, like just saying no to something that she mm-hmm. wants, which I know sounds like an obvious reaction of a toddler, but I think it's the way she handles it. Like the, I guess, uh, level of tantrum she gives for quite like a small thing. Okay. So, um, for instance, she always wants me, and she's, she, she likes things like a certain way, and if they're not that way, then she kind of loses it. Mm-hmm. Like she always wants us to wet her hair. We were, we were overseas about two and a half weeks ago. We just got back from five weeks overseas, and mm-hmm. it was hot, and 
she sees me wet my hair in the morning and she wants me to wet her hair, but she wants me to wet her hair like all the time. She wants it long. And, you know, it's colder here and I don't want to wet it. And if I say no, she will lose it. She'll stand there repeating herself, wet my hair. I want my hair wet. I want my hair wet. Wet my hair. Wet my hair. Wet my hair. She couldn't literally say that on repeat in like the same monotone voice for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And then she'll start screaming and yelling and it gets to this point sometimes where she is like screeching in this guttural, like animalistic way. I'm surprised that the neighbours haven't called the police. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like something terrible is happening happening in our apartment. And she started hitting and kicking and spitting and she knows that like hitting will get a reaction and she'll come up and hit me and I'll say, Edie, we don't hit, we don't put our hands on other people. It's okay to be angry, but you can't hit, you can't, you mm-hmm. can't hit, you can't kick. And she'll keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And I'll pick her up and I'll put her in her bedroom and then she'll come out and I'll pick her up and I put her back in and she comes out and it just goes on and there's like no end to it. Mm-hmm. And she is really quite horrible to my husband, her father. Um, like if any, if he tries to help her, if she's caught, she always will call for me, always wants me. And if he will go into her room, if I'm with my son and he goes in to help her at any stage, like during the night or if she's having a tantrum or anything like this, she like spits at him like a cat and like mm-hmm. makes these like noises and mm-hmm. doesn't want anything to do with him. She's horrible to him and he's so loving to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can be loving to him, you know, but in those, like most of the time she's horrible. <laughs> um, Kate, how long has this been happening? Is this like a new thing or it's kind of always I mean, been? Look, she's a toddler, so she's been having tantrums, you know, since she was two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've just kind of gotten progressively worse. Um, this like hitting and this insane screaming and this repetitiveness probably while we were away it started happening. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I've spoken to her kindergarten teachers about it, her daycare teachers, and they think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there was no routine. I mean, she's always been good with routine, no routine at all while we were overseas, and that would have taken an adjustment and then coming back and having routine implemented again is like another thing. And then there's my son, who she's probably very jealous of because he takes up my time as well. Mm -hmm. Like I get why, I just need to be able to, deal with it <laughs> I love it yeah and so I'm thinking you know she seems quite rigid in the way that she wants things done a certain way is that yeah. right it's sort of like quite yeah, like she, she yeah she likes things done a certain way like she wants her hair wet she always wants to you like eat with this one particular spoon her porridge mm-hmm. every morning she'll say that the same thing can I have porridge I want to put the honey on can you please put some milk in I want a lot of milk over the honey Or like if I have her yogurt and I want to put the muesli in every time and I have to put the honey on top of the muesli. Yeah. And it's like everything has to be like this. And if you do it slightly off, then like all hell breaks loose. Mm. Yeah. So we call it like a big meltdown. If there's, you know, a ritual that she wants you to follow, it needs to be done in this order. And then there's a meltdown afterwards where she just can't regulate her emotions and it's like she's just spilling over. How long do those meltdowns go for? Uh, it depends. I know that being calm will help the meltdown ease mm-hmm. a lot sooner, but 
sometimes I'm overwhelmed and I can't stay calm and I lose it and that makes things worse. Mm -hmm. I know that, but I'm human and sometimes I just lose it. But there was one one moment, there was two weeks ago, it was on her first day back at kindy, so I know that there was a lot of change. She came point, this is just one example, Mm -hmm. she likes playing outside after kindy. If I pick her up before she's had outside play, she gets really upset. And I had timed it to pick her up after outside play or what during outside play and they were running late and I had to get home because I had to put my son to sleep. Mm-hmm. Thought everything was okay. We get in the car. She loses it, won't get in her car seat. I have to hold her down to do her seatbelt up, mm-hmm. takes her shoes off while we're driving and throws them at my head. She was so upset. She almost made herself vomit in the mm-hmm. car park. Then she started attacking me in the lift, kicking me. We get upstairs. She sat at the front door wouldn't let me look at her, wouldn't let me touch her, wouldn't let me near her, tried to throw a box of recycling at me, was so uncontrollable that she wet herself, she couldn't calm down enough to go to the toilet. It was almost like she got to this point where she was so out of control that it kind of scared her that she was out of control and she couldn't yeah. come back from that. Yeah, I feel for Edie, it sounds like she's just completely overwhelmed and yeah. And she wants things her way, but I wouldn't put this down to a behavioural issue. I'm feeling like it's more around lots of prepping and planning for change. Mm. So I'm just going to recommend a couple of resources just off the top of my head. So, okay. So I'm thinking there's a book called No More Meltdowns by Jed Baker. That's J-E-D Baker, B-A-K-E-R. And that will talk about how to kind of preempt meltdowns and put lots of strategies in place so that the child is really aware that something different might be coming up Um, because I'm thinking that Edie doesn't cope well with change at this point and she's needs to work on her flexibility you know this focus on wanting a certain spoon and wanting a cereal done a certain way like as you move forward instead of changing changing too much too soon try and keep it as she would like it but maybe just a slight adjustment so you know slightly less milk or you know just one particular tiny little adjustment per meal time until she's fine with that it's like oh you're good with the milk now it's not quite as much or it could be a different spoon something like that but it will take some time and just focus on one little bit of flexibility at a time like if Um, that spoon is in the dishwasher she seems like she's okay to use another one it's just okay there's flexibility that's good yeah that's awesome so you know just praising her that's great you don't need your purple spoon today so proud of you. You're so flexible. And also just telling, you know, um, her grandparents or a friend, Edie's so flexible now. <laughs> she's ate with a different spoon this morning so yeah. that she can hear it and it's being reinforced. Yeah. And, you know, she knows that mum likes that. Other people say, wow, that's really good. And then around the actual meltdowns, I think you're good to, you know, just clear space so she doesn't thrash around her herself. Um, and, you know, that you sometimes get triggered and feel frustrated as you would when it goes on for such a long time and it's quite extreme so I think just like taking care of yourself as well so thinking okay this is going to be a little bit of a long haul or she might do it when we leave daycare again today so you know you may bring your own supplies like a thermos of tea or a hop out of the car and take a stretch because I think interacting with Edie at that point is not helping but if you're just remaining calm and she's safe you know if she can get it down to less time than the that really bad one you just mentioned, like she manages to pull it together and it's only been 10 or 15 minutes. 
then again, it's praise. That was great, Edie. I love how you're taking those deep breaths. And oh, wow, that was amazing. You really wrapped it up quickly. So it's about reaching their personal best when it comes to calming down. She's not actually able to calm down on her own. Like it's mm-hmm. always something I have to help her do. Like mm-hmm. avert her attention to something else or, and I know this is really bad. I feel like you're going to say it's not a good thing, but mm-hmm. I've just been threatening to leave <laughs> because right. I just don't know. Sometimes it's just so bad and I, like I need to, it's been hard yeah. the last week and a half because my husband's been really sick. So I've mm-hmm. had to kind of do everything by myself and I can't rely on him. But, you know, I will need to breastfeed and put Lev to sleep at a certain time and I can't, I try and be flexible with that, but when he's screaming as well, then I need things to kind of, or like when, if I can just see no end to it and she's she'll, she keeps hitting me, keeps hitting me, will not stop hitting me or pulling my clothing, she does, she pulls my clothing and will not stop. It doesn't matter what I do. If I walk away, she follows me. If I go into another room, she opens the door. If I put her in her room, she opens the door and comes out and will continue hitting, continue pulling my clothing. In those mm-hmm. situations, I'm like, fine, I'm leaving, and I get my keys. And so if I make that threat, then she gets really upset, and she's like, no, mummy, I'm being good. And I'm like, you're not being good, you're being naughty. Mm-hmm. And I know they're probably not the best things to do, but, like, I don't know how else to stop it. Great. That's the thing that that's, seems to work. And that's why we're here to kind of just thrash it around and think, okay, what could be better or do you want to sort of experiment with something different and then see whether it changes things? Hi, guys. I'm just popping in here briefly to let you know about our social and emotional learning program. It's called The Best of Friends and it's designed for children aged 7 to 11 years who want to learn more about making and keeping friends in the school setting. The Best of Friends is available for clinics and classrooms and you can find out more by going to quirkykid.com.au That's Q-U-I-R-K-Y-K-I-D.com.au to find out more about The Best of Friends. So I would suggest, you know, maybe just crouching down on the floor, not right next to her because you don't want to be hit, but just kind of at her level and looking in a, you know, in sort of like a passive way, so you're not reaching out or standing over her, just mm-hmm. down, passive, waiting, and just modelling like deep breaths, no eye contact. So she's just looking at a person who's calming down mm-hmm. and then hopefully she'll be at some point able to focus enough to see that mum's taking deep breaths, mum's quiet, that's what I need to try and do. And then once- And if she's hitting me while I'm doing that, what am I doing? Yeah, so if she's hitting you, I would sort of hold her hands and just try and get yourself in a comfortable position, like sitting on the side of the bed, putting a pillow in front of you so that she can't hurt you. Um, If she's going to hit you on the head or pull your hair, I would stand up and then hold that pillow around your waist so that she can't, you know, hurt you. So kind of protecting yourself but staying close by and, um, yeah, try not to make too much too many noises or demands or anything like just don't see it as a um as a challenge or you know she's not sort of challenging you she's just desperately in need of support at that point she's just so it's not so much like you need to teach her to be respectful or stop hitting because all that information's not really going in anyway she's just beyond it yeah just think of it like a storm where you need to kind of weather the storm 
breathe and hopefully have support there so that you can, you know, tag team with your partner. So if things are still escalating after 15 minutes, then he'll step in and do the same sorts of thing. And if you can step out, you know, he said she comes in, is there any space in your um, house or even if you went into the hallway so that he could try and calm things down and then after 15 minutes you come in so that everyone's tag teaming? We live in a tiny two-bedroom apartment in Randwick. (laughs) There's no space anywhere. Um, That's why she's able to access me anywhere I go in the apartment. Yeah. So then thinking, like, say if you're going for a walk, like, you know, instead of saying, right, that's it, I'm leaving. If you said, okay, let's go for a walk, you grab the pram or, you know, you start to pick up something that suggests you go into the park. Would she be? Um, would she follow you? And do you think it would be easier outside the apartment? It would be okay to do that, except it's not always the right time to go for a walk. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if this happens in the middle of the night or if this happens at bedtime mm-hmm. or something like that or, like, if I need to breastfeed, like, there's yes, there are instances where that does work and we can do that. Mm-hmm. And we did do that when we were overseas, actually. But mm-hmm. there were also instances where that where like it's not the appropriate time to just leave and go for a walk yeah so I think there needs to be like a a day plan and a night plan that you and your partner are really clear on so that when it happens you know rather than walking on eggshells and trying not to upset Edie like doing the things that you need to do with a slight bit of um you know requesting some flexibility from Edie but then if the meltdown happens kind of having a crisis plan that right, I'm going to do this, he's going to do that. Like, for example, he takes the baby, you crouch down with Edie, you just model deep breathing, see if she can calm herself a little bit and then hopefully, you know, before she escalates too much, you might be able to pat her or she might come and cuddle you. You know, that would be a good result. If it continues to escalate and it's everything's just going up, 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 then ah, then I really think um, it's really just about enduring it, tag teaming until you get to the end of it and then thinking, right, what was it that triggered at that time? It was the whatever, make a note and then thinking, okay, tomorrow let's try and work around that trigger point, whether it's what would be an example of what would trigger it before bed? Um, so like she'll, I guess as an excuse to not go to sleep, she'll all of a sudden say I'm hungry because she, and she knows that I will get annoyed if she's like, I'm hungry because mm-hmm. just being where she, it's dinner time. She'll eat like, you know, half a dinner and she'll be like, I'm not, I don't want to eat anymore. I want to go play. I'm like, no, you need to eat some more food. No. I'm like, okay, fine. If you're not hungry, that's fine. But we don't eat food straight before bed, you know? And like, well, yep. she'll even eat like enough food. She'll eat like a whole plate of food. And there's no way after the amount of food she's eaten that she's hungry, but she'll be like, <laughs> I'm hungry. And if I don't give her food before bed, she'll lose it. Mm-hmm. Or one more story or one more milk. And the thing is with her, if you give into it, then she expects, expects it the night after. And Great. So you're good at setting your boundaries. Even though she puts pressure on you, you don't give in like to the no eating before bed rule and no extra book. So I think that's good that you're you're setting your own boundaries. Um, Mm. It could be that she doesn't want to go to bed or she doesn't want to say, she doesn't want to separate from you. Like, is it, is there anything to do with separation anxiety or it's like, I don't think she's hungry. You don't think she's hungry because she's had a big dinner. There's no way she's hungry. There's no way she's hungry. Um, 
she probably, I don't know. I think she just, like, and she's definitely tired because once she mm-hmm. gets into bed, she's asleep within two seconds. Great. Good. Good. So maybe it's just about um, she's asking for food, but you're staying. Do you sit next to her on a chair or something like that? Or do you lie next to her and then she drops off, then you hop up? No, she, I give her, we have like a whole routine. Yes. Give her a kiss. I give her 10 strokes and then I walk out. She listens to podcast storybooks as she goes to sleep. Perfect. I reckon that sounds ideal. You know how it's very structured. It's a ritual that you stick to. You like it. She likes it. I think almost all of these little tantrums are about needing a ritual that you like and she likes and then you can agree on that and try and do that every time. Yeah. Um, Because she seems like unless it's predictable and structured, then she feels out of control and yeah. then everything just gets very emotional and noisy and stressful. Yes. Um, I just, so can I just go back to one thing mm-hmm. with her, when she's like being aggressive and in that state where she's like screaming, like yesterday she got right next to my baby's head and was screaming at both of us, mm-hmm. like very, very loudly. Mm-hmm. I felt very worried for my baby. Not that I knew nothing was going to happen to him, but that's not a nice thing for a seven-month-old yeah. baby experience in that situation I even and I was so angry I just need to kind of throw all the anger away and and model a calm person in front of her and hope that that will help her calm down well I think in that case because the baby's right there then yeah I agree you need to try and if there's a support person around pass the baby over and then go into calming Edie mode. But if there's no one else there, then I think hopping up, moving away, even putting the baby down in, you know, his cot, closing the door, he might be a bit like what's going on, but what you're doing is you're just keeping him safe. And then you're focusing on Edie to say what's happened. This could take a while. You know, she ideally it'd be great if she could learn to use her words so that she can say, whatever's going on for her this feels a little bit more extreme than the norm so like when you look at standard three-year-old behavior yes there are tantrums but usually it's not so illogical you know <laughs> and yeah both illogical and long and intense so um you might need to start developing what they call social stories so when mum picks you up from school if you haven't had a play outside we'll stop in the park before we get home you know, some sort of like a little closure to whatever that issue was with a picture of you two at the park or something like that. So she's like, okay, I get it. If Yeah, I think you've got the bedtime story kind of thing worked out. You probably, you could put that in pictures. So at bedtime we do this many books, cuddle, kiss, podcasts. So you're just introducing more structure so that she's like, feels safe. She's like, yes, that's what I do. That's what I love. Same for the next little transition because it sounds like she's triggered by transitions and then things that don't go to along the lines of her ritual so rather than looking at at it as a behavioral issue if you look at it like an anxiety issue then it's about showing her how to calm down showing her the way through this um anxious situation so Mm. she's feeling like ah this is not working out this is all going wrong what are we going to do so it's like calm this is what's going to happen you're safe rather than tantrum behavior, boundary pushing, you know, you needing to escalate. She like will push on everything, Mm -hmm. on everything. Yeah. She's very like, if I say no, she says yes. If I say yes, she says no. Like it's very, 
smallest little things. Mm-hmm. If you did, um, you know, like sometimes you walk into a, a prep classroom or, or a kindy classroom and you can see they've got pictures of we're going to read in the morning, then we're going to go outside to the garden and then we're going to do singing. Mm. You know, when you can kind of go, oh, that looks like what you're doing today. If you were to put a visual schedule up, um, down for Edie yeah. um, using photos, do you think she would be more likely to stick to it? So it's just about prep rather than saying, Edie, we're going to do this. And she says, no, you can point to the plan and say, no, remember, <laughs> there's the, whatever the sequence was, just point it out using your finger and pointing at the pictures rather than your voice and challenging her to do what you've asked her to do. So then that means there's no room for like any kind of flexibility in the day. Then I think go with the like little Velcro tabs on the back and in the morning say, okay, it's raining today so we won't be doing swimming. So we're going to move swimming down to next week. So it's like a big timetable kind of thing. Then we're going to move up grandma's face and we're going to go and see grandma instead. Okay. They've given her the prep. You've shown her that there's some change and you can even have a little book, like an exceptions book. And using, you can do drawing. Pictures are probably better for someone who is three years old. Yeah, I totally agree. I think those, like setting up your or increasing your support network would be really good once your partner's up and healthy again. Um, making sure you have a little bit of downtime to adjust to being back at home and just getting things back into some sort of um, order. You know how when you're tired, then you become more frustrated and then Edie's probably more likely to be more emotional. So it all just kind of travels around. So if your husband's well rested, you get to have a rest. Then thinking about increasing your support network as well, like maybe having, like, would you have a babysitter or a grandparent that could come in and keep Edie busy while you spend some quality time with your little guy? Or, you know, how is it possible to increase your support network at the moment? I'll have to talk. Have a think. Have yeah. a think. Yes. Because then you just, I feel like this is just going to be like you've, it's a bit of a marathon at the moment and exhausting. But then once you're well rested, your partner's back into good health, then like a three week focus on let's just, fo- you know, let's just look at the times when she's not escalating and then praise those things. Let's look at what she is flexible with and praise those things. That will start to push things in the right direction. Like, you know, when you said, I wish I didn't do it, but I've threatened to leave and I've picked up the keys and things like that. That's just another kind of trigger for anxiety. So it's kind of just all now lots of reassurance. Mum's not going anywhere. If it's daytime, we'll go for a walk. This is our meltdown plan. If it's nighttime, I'll take you in this room. Dad will take the little guy and we're going to just stay and we're going to breathe and I'm not going to look at you, but when you're ready, you just let me know that you're okay. Just quickly, one other thing. You know how you said when she is being aggressive, that's not the time to talk to her about it. Yeah. When is the right time to talk to her about the fact that we don't hit, we don't push, we don't spit, we don't kick, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've tried doing it after the fact yes. and talking to her. And I always ask her, if I yell, I always apologise and afterwards and we talk about what happened afterwards most of the time mm-hmm. and I ask her, how she was feeling and it's always the same thing angry sad I don't know if she's just like knows that that's what she needs to say or if she was actually feeling angry or sad Mm -hmm. Um, books are a great way to communicate messages so if she's good in the morning or even if it's one of your bedtime books um you know those series like I feel angry I feel frustrated 
Brian Moses, I like his series the best because they come with strategies as well, like what to do when you're frustrated. And there's just, it's very child-friendly. It would work for a three-year-old right up until probably a 10-year-old. Yeah, okay. so that's a good series to look at. And, yeah, you really just want her to to use her words. So when she's in a good space and she's happy, you could say, how are you feeling yesterday? We have a point chart at Quirky Kid that we use. It's called Face It. So it's like a poster with 35 different facial expressions. So yeah. you could point to it yourself, Kate, and say, you know, yesterday when we got home, I felt like this. So you point to the face that's looking exhausted, frustrated, stressed maybe and then you could say how did you feel Edie and then maybe she's going to point to the upset face so that's good for boosting her vocabulary so hopefully at some point she'll be able to use those words rather than all that action which is telling you that she's feeling like how do you interpret it do you think she's feeling scared or angry at you like what do you think the feeling is angry and frustrated Mm mm-hmm and uh, that we aren't doing what she wants us to do and frustrated that she can't have what she wants when she wants it. Yes. Okay, final point, which I think is also important, is increasing her independence because kids love it when they can do things for themselves. So if she can pour the milk onto a cereal or at least get the bowl out and get the spoon ready, that would make her feel empowered. Um and then think of any other ways that you can let her do a little bit more so that you can sort of say, oh, I remember when you were little and you couldn't do the milk on your cereal and now you're such a big girl, you can do your own milk and you can use you can use your words, you know, so you're just kind of putting in there what you want to see and praising it sure. when you do see it. Sure. Okay. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking and for being on the Impressive Podcast. And that was the lovely Kate um, talking about Edie. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'll include those links in the show notes. One in regard to your emotions, like I feel angry, I feel frustrated by Brian Moses. And I've included a couple of extra resources there, like um, The Highly Sensitive Child um, by Elaine Aron. And that's just um, very helpful for parents who have children um that are overwhelmed by additional sensory stimulation like background noise or even certain textures, lights in supermarkets can um, trigger a sensory overload and that often just looks like a meltdown. So if you'd like to find out more, please go to brightchild.com, that's B-R-I-T-E, child.com forward slash impressive to find the show notes. And if you would be interested in being on the podcast, I would love to hear from you please send your interest to support at quirkykid, that's Q-U-I-R-K-Y-K-I-D.com.au. And that is the clinic in Sydney and in Wollongong where we see clients. And we would love to hear from you. So without further ado, uh, we're going to wrap up today and I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next week. I'm Kimberly O'Brien and this was Impressive. Impressive.